Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this week's podcast. Today we have on Stuart Brown, who is actually a friend of Mark and Gary Blackman, who we had on the episode a few, well, a few episodes ago for us. Um, He is the programmer and curator or owner and programmer of Sounds of Broadway, which is soundsofbroadway.com, a 24-7 online Broadway radio station. He is also a fraternal twin, which is a really interesting fact. And he's on here to chat with us about the 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 radio station, the Broadway radio station, and hopefully about um, his involvement in the Broadway world. So welcome to our podcast, Stu. It's very exciting to have you. Well, thank you for having me. This is this is great. It's always nice talking to some twins. Yes. <laughs> Here's a fun fact about Gary and Mark. I have known them for over 60 years. Oh, how did you guys, how did you meet? So uh, my, uh, what was it? My father went to school with their mother. And so, so they oh, were wow. friends for years and years. So when yeah. we were, I'm two days older, my brother and I are two days older than they are. <laughs> so, so, you know, since, I don't know, we were one or two. So yeah, over, over 60 years, um, I have put up with them. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, oh, we oh. We laughed through the entire thing, especially when they would start going with each other back and forth. And Cindy and I are like, that's what we do all the time. It's hilarious. <laughs> well, well, it's funny you say that because you had said, oh, do you have any funny uh, twin stories? And I'm racking my brain. And I called my brother. And I even called my father, who's 94. And he couldn't remember. And he told me this other twin story that had nothing to do with us. But... <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what but, twins are you talking about, Dad? That's right. But but the one story was freshman year in college, we were at my brother's dorm at a dorm party, and his we were talking with his girlfriend at the time, and we were saying, oh, you know, yeah, this is my my brother said this is my twin, and she's like, oh yeah, I can see that perfectly. You know, you you had the same mannerisms and gestures, and at the exact same time, we both did something with our hands to sort of say no. <laughs> And then we turned and looked at each other and said, oh, my God, she's right. <laughs> we do do that. We didn't even know about it. Right, exactly. So that, that's my one twin story. There's, I got nothing else, nothing else in the tank. <laughs> nothing else that you know of until someone points it out to you, which well, is exactly. always right. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> People are always like, so, you guys sound alike. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> yeah, but they also think we sound exactly like our brother. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we do. But right. his friends would always call and think that they were talking to our brother. And we're like, no, we're not rusty. Oh, gee, I, I, how, does, how does that make your brother feel? <laughs> well, uh, I'm he sure always he had the short end of the stick. Yeah, <laughs> he is the younger brother and a singleton. So uh, he okay. was always the twins brother. <laughs> Poor Rusty. Yeah. So to get started, how, because I believe you told us earlier, you don't actually work in theater. So how is it that you got interested in creating your own radio station for Broadway shows? Well, so I have been involved in first college radio since the late 1970s when I went to college, went to Rutgers University in New Jersey. And 
I was enamored my freshman year. There was this woman, uh, I think she was a junior, who had a Broadway show. And she had the most beautiful voice. And I would sit in my dorm and listen and constantly call her up for requests. I think she got sick of me. Uh, <laughs> so I eventually I joined the radio station and uh, I think my my junior year, I took over her show. So I was doing a three-hour Broadway radio program every Sunday night. And so I was learning about Broadway musicals and you know, this was the day when there were LPs, no CDs, no streaming, and uh, the station had a collection. I had a collection, so I I did that. And then when I graduated, after a couple of years, I moved up to Connecticut and was doing a weekly show at Trinity College in Hartford for about twenty five years. And I, I think a lot of people always dream about owning their own radio station. You know, not just a program, but I want my own radio station. Well. That's kind of hard to do with just the equipment, the costs, and all mm. the regulatory things. So one of the DJs at Trinity I had mentioned to, he goes, oh, Stu, there's this company in England where you could just, if you have a computer and a mic, you could start your own radio station. So I looked into it, wow. and sure enough, you know, you can do that. So I signed up. I downloaded thousands of songs. I have probably over 4,800 songs about – 640 musicals that are in the database and I, I program it. So each week I'll do about six, three hour playlists. And, and before this call, that's what I was doing is sort of filling in the announcements, a little trivia. And then I have a schedule screen where I just pop it in and, you know, this three hour here, I might repeat it. And by tonight I'll be done programming the whole week. Wow. So, so it's sort of a dream come true because of today's technology. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. And you and, see so many questions now. Stacey was afraid I didn't have any questions. <laughs> you mentioned that you fire away. <laughs> that you like individually curate, I think is the right word, the um blocks. What do you call them? The the, well, the playlist. The playlists. Yeah. How do you come about that? Like, what gives you the idea? Like, today I'm going to do it on musicals that are depressing. Or, like, what is the idea you have? Damn, twin. Musicals that are uplifting. Uh, well, I work in opera, so everything's depressing. So, yeah. <laughs> so, it, so actually, there are two different things. So, I have a podcast also, a weekly podcast. Oh. And those are going to be more thematic. So. For example, I did one recently where I called it long production numbers. So every song I played had to be at least seven and a half minutes. So you had these great songs like a musical from Something Rotten or Friends Like Me from Aladdin, you know, these razzmatazz mm. numbers. So for an hour show, I think I played seven songs because they were so long. Um, but for the day to day for Sounds of Broadway, what I'll do is I have a spreadsheet and over, I, I, I'll take what I call, let's say, the top 100. So shows that everyone knows. Let's say, Damn Yankees, Funny Thing Happened Away to the Forum, Annie Get Your Gun. And I'll spread those out for like over six different lists. And then I'll bring in some more obscure music. So I try and mix and match. So if mm -hmm. you're listening, and let's say 
you're a fan that likes more well-known or popular, you'll hear one or two songs. And before you can flip the dial, a well-known song will come on. So that's right. what I, when I sort of curate. I want to try and mix the well-known, the popular with the obscure. And a lot of the emails I get from listeners is, please, please play more of that stuff, you know, from Broadway <laughs> flops or obscure. Because if you listen to a lot of online radios, Broadway radio, very tight playlists. I mean, it's like the same know, six musicals over and over and over and over. And, yeah. over. and yeah. if I want and, Hamilton, I'll just put on the CD. Like <laughs> I got it. Right. And I, you know, you'll hear you're, you, you definitely will hear Hamilton, but it'll just be a couple of times a week. You know, I want you to, I want to expose you to shows that have really good music that you have never heard of. So you'll listen and be what was that? Let me go check. Or, you know, I hope I hear that again. Or every night I have a two hour request program. So you can go search my database. So I'll get people. I had someone email me yesterday about this musical Half a Sixpence that starred Tommy Steele. Great show, fun songs. And she said, Oh, can you let me know approximately when you're going to play that during the week? So I wrote back and I said, well, I can do that. But every night you could just go to my request tab and you can request <laughs> all these songs and listen to it right away. Mm -hmm. Also, and when you requested that evening, then it's pretty much just pops right up. Right. So you could oh, cool. you could go in right now and make a request. You can make a request during the request show. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, it's very interesting with, with the way people listen. I think there are a lot of passive listeners. I mean, I'll say, mm -hmm. email me, let me know what you think. You know, one of my taglines is not only do I read all your emails, I respond to every email you send me because a lot of websites, you never hear from people. You will mm -hmm. always hear from me. People don't email me that much. I mean, I get emails, but you know, I think people just like to listen. It's almost, Stu, we don't want to bother you. You know, you're probably busy and I like what you're doing. It's like, no, you know, tell me what you like or, you know, request songs. This is what I'm I'm trying to do for you. Yeah, we have over a uh, 100 podcasts out and we get hardly any emails, no real comments on Facebook or Instagram. People will like a post, but that's about it. And then Cindy will talk to people and they're like, oh, we've listened to every episode. And we're like, really? <laughs> I, I used I, when I was doing my my show locally at the college radio here. I had a, a friend say to me once, oh, Stu, I love this, what you played tonight. And I think it might have been like an all request show for people to call in. I said, well, why didn't you call? Oh, I don't want to bother you. You know, you play such good music. You know, I don't want to. And it's like, well, the whole point is <laughs> when I do a request show, you call in with your request. So, you know, it's, it, it's fine. Um, it just it's kind of an interesting aspect of of uh of listeners um yeah but, but i have i don't i don't i listen to a couple of podcasts and stuff and i've never written them or anything because i'm just like yeah i love this and i tell my friends about it but i don't actually tell the people right. so i guess it, i'm the same way yeah and, and when i get email you know it's not just you know a nice email i mean you know i get people that are, are, are so passionate it's almost like Oh, I just found your station and I love it. And, you know, they're just <laughs> emoting. And 
Um, <laughs> again, about the, you know, because it is so different that, um, so, so that, that, that's fine. And I, I must be doing something right because as of this, uh, uh interview, I have over 160,000 listeners a month from all over the world. And, um, nice. so I have some of the, my analytics so I can see things and, and it's a little, I know it's sort of interesting. Like my number two audience is in the Philippines. Really? And yeah. I, and South America is big. Um, my UK listenership is not that big compared to some of the other countries. And you'd think the UK would be yeah, right up would. there. Yeah. So I wonder if they just have more. Well, no, I don't know. That's a really good question. Yeah. I, I, you know, and again, that's why, you know, I like to try and spread the word because in today's world where there's there's so many options podcasts you know online right. radio it's you know it's it's hard so to try and, and and introduce things to people is difficult but yeah and to stay on their mind is difficult exactly. have you ever gotten a request during your request hour of a of a song or a musical that you didn't know or have so the the way i have my the request thing Fortunately for me, it's all automated. So you just go in, search the the database, you click, and then it automatically goes into the queue. Got it. Okay. So, so but it's not like I someone will, emailing you being like, hey, can you play this random song? Right. Uh, I will challenge most people that they will find their first choice, and if not, definitely their second choice. Unless you're going to... I mean, a real obscure musical. Um, so, for instance, I have, I don't know, over a thousand CDs and I have a couple of hundred LPs and I'm, I'm slowly digitizing the LPs when I get a chance. So the other day I pulled out this LP and it just it was like a brown cover and it just said Angel. And it had the composing team, Gary Geld and Peter Udell. I was like, uh, okay, I've never heard of this. So I Googled it and <laughs> sure enough, uh, th those two wrote the score for Shenandoah. They wrote oh. the score for Pearly and they wrote the, sh the score for this show Angel, which opened, I think, in 1978 and ran for five performances. <laughs> yes, um, they have a recording of it. Right. And I, I, I think most of the songs are actually good. So I've, I now have them up there. So, you know, I, I will have some obscure shows. But if someone said, okay, I'm going to really test you, Stu, you know, mm -hmm. if they go back through Broadway history and go, okay, this show played one performance. I know <laughs> you don't have that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I do have a lot. And, and the funny thing is shows that I think would be kind of well-known aren't always that well-known. So, um, and even I do a, a weekly trivia uh, quiz and I'll do, they're always thematic and I'll go, oh, this is going to be so easy. Everyone's going to get like 10 out of 10, you know, and then I get the scores, you know, six out of 10, seven out of 10. So, you know, you, I did actually try to do one and I was like, got through number three and I was like, I don't know any of these answers. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, 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 and that's. 
that's one of my problems because I remember nothing. However, I am my head is full of Broadway trivia. So it's hard juggling what like the questions I put down because for me that's like, oh yeah. no brainer. What's Irving Berlin's last musical he wrote for Broadway? Yeah, that's an easy one for me. <laughs> yeah, for me. I was like, oh. well, for most people, they'd be like, uh, I have no clues to. Or, that's so, what I Google. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the answer is Mr. President, just so your listeners don't go. You know, ah, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, nope, that would have never come up. Yeah. So anyway, you know, when I'm doing these quizzes, I have to sort of juggle like what I think is easy. And one of my listeners has been sending me questions for a quiz. And I, I write back and I go, you know, Joe, this is great. I don't even know the answers. To these. I mean, <laughs> you know, they're so obscure. So I'm trying to very nicely say, no, you got to get it. So people will get some of the answers. So they'll come back for the next so one. So they'll do it again. <laughs> yeah. How often do you add new like new musicals when when um a new recording comes out well in pre pandemic right uh, <laughs> in the time, time before when recordings yes, came out was it like uh you know when when you went to high school there was like bc and bce or you know back in oh, the yes, stone yeah. age <laughs> so um so anytime a new cast recording came out i would get it and, you know, a lot of times, uh, well, in today's world, a lot of it I get digitally. Mm -hmm. So I might get the cast recording even before it is officially released. And I will get that up one, two, three. Um, now, you know, there's not a lot of new shows. Um, I mm -hmm. did get a couple of the new shows before they closed. So, for example, the revival of Company. That was going to be on Broadway with mm -hmm. um, Katrina Lank and Patti LuPone. It was a huge hit in London, but they did release the London cast album, which is the same. So I have that. Um, what else? You know, shows like, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire. Well, I don't have that. Diana, I don't have that mm -hmm. because, I mean, mm -hmm. I don't even know if they've recorded, but I haven't been sent it. So, yeah, I haven't heard if either of those were recorded. Yeah. So, but I, you know, so pre-pandemic, I would put stuff out and then also other like studio cast recordings. So for example, there's a record label PS Classics and they put out a lot of lesser known scores that are just fabulous. So they're not tied to a, a production. So those things might yeah. come out. I'll add those. Um in Connecticut, there's the Goodspeed Opera House, which is one of the top regional theaters in the country. And they're going to be doing a production of Anne of Green Gables. It's like a new production. So um, Broadway Records has released a, I think, a concept album. So that was just... Oh, cool. I've never so, heard of a concept album. That's cool. Yeah, it's so it's it's not of the show. I think I'd have to look up the, the liner notes, but I think it's... You know, if you look back at maybe sort of the uh, initial Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals like Evita, Jesus Christ Superstar, those were concept albums, and then they were turned into musicals. So, um, and even I think 
chess might have been started off as with some recording artists before it was turned into an actual show. I want to say when we did Dear Duina, it was the same thing. We had, because we did the the premiere of it in New York City, and I believe all the recordings that we had were like of Marcy and Zena singing a few songs and a couple friends singing some songs, you know, before it was actually, because nobody had ever done it. So it was just like these different friends of theirs that that put the pieces together, and then right. we did the actual show. It was really cool. I'd never heard of that before, before yeah. I did that. And, and then, and then in, in addition to any new material that comes my way. Like I said, when I'm, I have some downtime um, or if I'm in a, a boring Zoom meeting, I might go to my, my LP collection and, you know, I'll pull out things that I, I, I don't know why I have it and, you know, I'll listen to it. So um, for example, there's this one musical and I remember buying it, I don't know, a couple of years ago, it's called Time. And it's written by Dave Clark of the Dave Clark Five. Okay. Oh. And it is great. But you have uh, Julian Lennon is on it, Leo Sayre, Freddie Mercury. Oh. Wow. And, and and some of these songs, like I think, should have been top forty hits. So, so those are. It's a combination of let me digitize and. I fall in love with it. So I'm going to program it more on sounds of Broadway because I want other people to experience it and sort of have that nice feeling when, when it comes on the air. That sounds amazing. That's called time. Cause now I do kind of want to look it up. Yeah, I just, I just yeah. highlighted it, Cindy on, on my notes. Okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think cool. It might be on iTunes or, or some other streaming service where you can either listen or download uh but the uh yeah i would say the let's see i just happened to be like on my computer uh, but the songs by um julian lennon and by leo Sayre. so it's julian lennon sings this song because and Leo Sayre sings one human family and cliff richard has this nice song born to rock and roll so if you highlight those, if you like those, then you'll say, oh, good. I'm, I'm going to listen to Stu because he has good taste. If you hate those, <laughs> if you hate those songs, then you'd be like, oh, hmm, let me find another station to listen to. Yeah, I, I don't recommend better music. I'm going to write him and tell him I want to request a different song. <laughs> That's right. But like you said, it goes back and forth. So we just have to give it a song or two and it'll be something we like. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And yeah, so that's you know, what I... Uh, what I again like to do is uh, I'm, I'm looking at the songs that I've I've just recently uploaded, and you know this album Angel. Um, Anthony Newley wrote the roar of the grease paint, the smell of the crowd, and um, stop the world. But he also wrote a musical called The Good Old Bad Old Days, which never played in New York, but there's a cast album. Um, you know, there's this 19 I don't know 50s musical. Sing Out Sweet Land. I mean, all these just musicals that, again, you've never heard of, but right. has really good, good music. So, you know, I want to preserve some of this because I will probably guarantee a lot of the music I play here, you would never, ever hear anywhere else. I make that challenge. No, I, yeah. <laughs> Any I other know those ones you were talking about. So, yeah, probably. <laughs> 
But that was what would be so cool about it. Like I love, sometimes I just go on Spotify and type in or just have it like play random things that I don't even know I'm going to like because maybe I will like it. Maybe I won't like it. So this sounds like an awesome way because I will sometimes listen to Broadway songs, but after an hour, you know, it just starts repeating itself. And I'm like, I know there's so many other songs out there that I want to hear and I don't want them to all be within the past five years. Like I I want to learn more about the older musicals. So I, I, so I give you that challenge. Okay. To go That's... back and tell all your theater friends to spread <laughs> it on social media. Oh, um, we will. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but I think that you know that would be something you know to to think about is um, you know I'm, again I'm looking at the shows that that I'm uh, I was curating today and so for you know for example the show Desperate Measures which played off Broadway a few years ago Arms and the Girl that starred Pearl Bailey. Um, the last ship, which was a few years ago, that had a score by Sting. Hmm. Um, let's see, Silk Stockings, which is a Cole Porter musical. The, I've heard of that one at least. Um, Billy, well, Billy Elliot, but there's also a musical called Billy that starred Michael Crawford, sort of pre-Phantom days. So you know, there's just a lot there that I think people would would enjoy. really enjoy. Yeah, you mentioned that you're big on on. Oh my God, Cindy words. Um, trivia. How is it that you got into that? Do you just read the album covers, look up stuff like what piqued your interest or just because you started listening to the songs so much that you just wanted to know more about them? So again, I think, you know, some people are good at dates. Some people are mm, good at names what, or whatever reason that information sticks with me. So, um, and I, because, and also because I've been doing some type of Broadway radio shows for the last, you know, 40 plus years. So the repetition also, um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a good Broadway trivia thing on, on the web so I can test my skills against other people. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah. And, you know, that's, that's the thing. I, for example, the first show I saw on my own was when I was a college freshman and my friend had these coupons. So if you have listeners that are of a certain age, and I'm going to say the two of you are not of this certain age, but there's a thing called twofers. And these were paper coupons that they would be um sort of in, in schools and churches and community centers. And they really were two for one. So you would take this coupon, you'd go to the box office and you pay the price and get two tickets. So sounds great. Yeah. So yeah. my this, yeah, this is, you know, years before the half price ticket booth, you know, the TDF booth. So my friend said, Oh, Stu, I have twofers for this show called twigs. No clue. So these two high school freshmen got on the bus in central New Jersey, took the bus to Port Authority. Now, this was like 1972. So anyone listening, if they know Port Authority and Times Square, 1972, it was not Disneyfied. It was <laughs> I was like, I've seen it, pictures of it around that it time. Was, it was triple X. Yes. Triple X here. And you had these two innocent kids from the <laughs> suburbs. So we go to the box office and it's kind of dark and we get up and there's a piece of paper taped to the window 
Twigs has closed. Refunds around the corner. <laughs> so I, I look at my friend and I, I start choking him, I think. And he's like, well, hey, let's go see another show. Fine. So again, two high school freshmen look, we're just looking up at the marquees and I, I wanted to see a show. I think it was uh, called Sugar, which was based on Some Like It Hot, starred Robert Morse and uh, Tony Perkins, Tony Roberts. No, no, I don't want to go see that. He goes, I want to see this show. And I go, I don't want to see that. Come on. Okay, let's, we'll go see it. We go to the box office. We don't have a twofer. We paid full price for a ticket, Saturday matinee. Guess how much I paid? Three dollars. Oh, I was gonna say eighteen. Uh, well, go actually right in the middle. I think it was like eight dollars <laughs> a ticket. Saturday matinee orchestra seats. Wow. <laughs> and that doesn't even was... buy you a popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> so the show was the funniest, most tuneful thing. It is still one of my top five shows of all time. It was a show that you might have heard of called. Greece, and it was, <laughs> it was it was the original production of Greece. Wow! So Barry Botswick, who was the teen, uh, who was uh, Danny Zuko, and it was just it was just so incredible. So then we started going every couple of months. Um, so that's how I sort of got into the theater because I was so transfixed. And I'm sure you've had that experience where, mm -hmm. you know, you see a show and you are just so mesmerized. I mean, a show like Hamilton, I mean, for people listening that haven't seen Hamilton, yes, it is as good as advertised. Um, if yeah. you've ever seen Come From Away. I saw that. It, I didn't know anything about it before I went to see it. It was one of those, a friend said they have free yeah. tickets, you want to go. And the whole time I was like, why is this not getting more press? Yeah. This is amazing. I mean, if you don't come out of that show, again, if if you've kind of experienced 9-11, I mean, if you're not crying, if you're, you know, for over a year, I could not play a song from that show on my radios because I would start like almost crying playing that, you know, so, um, so I started doing that. And then I started writing reviews at my college radio station and started a blog. And then I became involved with the Connecticut Critics Circle, which I'm now the president of. And I also was able to gain membership in the Outer Critics Circle in New York. Yeah, I was going to ask, how do you do that? How do you get? Yeah, how do you like, become a member of the Outer Critics Circle? Ah, uh, I can't Beg? tell no. you. I, they would, <laughs> they would cut out my tongue. So that would be bad would, for a radio host. That's, it just wouldn't go over well. Yeah, yeah, it would be. I'd have to move to YouTube or something. <laughs> um, so it, you know, they they want people that have been working. I mean, it, it's not just the traditional press because what is the traditional press? And and mm -hmm. so many of the uh, publications are just getting rid of critics. So, yeah. you know, you have newspaper, magazine, TV, you know, there'll also be bloggers, cable people, um, but you have individuals outside of New York. So it's a wide range. So uh, I, someone from the Connecticut group 
liked my reviews. And so after a couple of years, she sort of pushed me to join. So I was able to gain membership. So in addition to the radio station, when theater is open, I go to about yeah, 60 to 70 Connecticut and New York shows a year. Oof, I see like so, 10. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's kind of a busy life, um, but it's also very helpful for the radio station because I yeah. can talk about, oh, you know, I saw this or, for example, um, I don't know if, if you saw uh, Tina, uh, the Tina Turner musical in New York. Um, no, I, but you know, I heard it was really good. Yeah, I know yeah. some people who did like co costumes or hair or something on it. They thought okay. it was excellent. I mean, Adrian Warren is phenomenal. If if you go to YouTube and you type in, um, I think River Deep Mountain High, it is so incredible. So I can bring that to my radio audience. You know, I can talk about her performance. I can say, you know, if you're visiting New York, you know, you have to see this show. You have to see Come From Away. Um, uh -huh. Plus I can talk about, again, the maybe some off-Broadway shows because I, I've seen it. So it, it's sort of this nice, um, I don't know what you call it, synergy, 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 synergy. synergy. There you go. Mm -hmm. I think that's synergy. Right. Yeah. Look it up. Um, but, um, you know, with the theater viewing and, and the radio station itself. It's quite busy. Uh, so yeah. what do you write on your, do you still have a, you well, still have a blog? <laughs> I still do. There's not much to write about these days. Uh, right. No, I was like, I did read uh, stuff on there. Right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I would write some features. I mean, I primarily it is, it is reviews and, my my personal issue is I am not very keen on streaming shows, whether musicals mm -hmm. or plays. Um, for me, there it, there's a reason it's called live theater. And it's not just the production values obviously are different, even though I did see a regional production the other day. And for a, for a uh, recorded program, they actually did it in the theater and it was very well done. I mean, it's almost, you know, you give kudos to the camera operators and, and stuff, mm -hmm. but it's not live. And I want to me, when you go to the live theater, you're sharing that experience with the person next to you. You don't know who that person is. You know, right. if, if you're, if someone next to you is crying or, you know, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of people jumping up and yelling and, you know, it's like, sit down, please. But yeah, um, we're trying to watch a show. <laughs> yeah. But, you know they're getting caught up in it. You get caught up in it. And so I have a very hard time when, when I get sort of invites to shows to watch it. Um, so for example, the musical Diana that was scheduled to open on Broadway, I think it's going to be on Netflix. So they've, so it'll be interesting because this is going to be a very, glossy production you know this isn't going to be a regional theater this is going to be mm -hmm. big time so mm -hmm. it'll be interesting and then also to look at that and then they're doing the quote-unquote movie version of the prom with all these big stars yeah, yeah. that's been advertising, um, advertising you know james corden's going to be it meryl streep is going to be in it um 
I think Nicole Kidman. I mean, all these big people. But to me, is it going to be more the theater piece or it's just going to be a movie, which to me, you, you judge differently. So, so I'm not really writing a lot because I, I just can't get into the streaming. And, and I feel bad because I want theaters to succeed. I mean, that's, <laughs> I, I love going to the theater. And so I, I want to try and support them as, as much as, as possible. I couldn't watch Hamilton live because I couldn't afford tickets. They were $400 for the cheap seats. And of course I'd bring my husband or a friend or something. And so I was like, I can't afford it. So we had to watch it on Disney. And as much as I absolutely loved it, I wanted to see what the rest of the stage was doing. I wanted to see what was being lit somewhere else. I wanted to see what the dancers were doing. I didn't want to just see what, you know, Lin-Manuel was doing because he was always in the center. I knew what he was doing. Um, so yeah, as much as I was like, good, I finally get to somewhat see it. I didn't get to actually see the entire production of it. So I, I, I like to, I like to rub it into people and say that I, I've seen Hamilton three times. Um, so I, I saw it uh, when it was at the public theater and then I saw it on Broadway and then I saw the national tour. So yes, you can hate me, but, um, <laughs> but, okay. what, but what you said, especially for Hamilton is so important because in Hamilton, the movement of yes. the state and the lighting, everything is so incredibly choreographed. So if you're filming it, I mean, and they did have, you know, wide shots, but, you know, it, it's kind of like a, a, a movie version. So you're going to have a lot more close-ups mm -hmm. and which is great. But now I might not be seeing the other, the ensemble and how they're moving and flowing. And that is so important in the show that, yeah, you are, you are going to miss. And, and that's also why, you know, I want to see it live because like you said, I want to see what they're doing. Um, you know, is, is the stage, is this, is the, the scenery upstaging the acting or how is the lighting? How's the sound? Um, hi folks, I can't hear you. Or, oh my God, turn down the music. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you're not going to get that on TV because everything is perfect. Yeah, exactly. It's okay. It also... The TV makes you look in a specific area, like Stacey said. I feel like in live theater, everyone gets their own experience because I could be looking over on stage right when something's happening stage left. But in the in TV and the movies, you know, you all have to look in the exact same way. So, Because usually, well, I, I guess I do spend half of my time looking at what you're not supposed to look at. Yeah. You right. know? <laughs> like, well, oh, it went dark over there. Is there a scene change going to happen that yeah. no one's supposed to be looking at? Well, you're theater nerds. You know, you're looking right. at, you know... Well, it, it, I think a really good example, if you saw the Broadway production, and not the national tour so much, but the Broadway production of SpongeBob the Musical. Oh, I wanted to so, see that. I hear it was so fun. It was a lot of fun. However, over on the left in the orchestra was the sound effects guy. So when oh, Sandy wow. the Squirrel did like a karate chop, he was doing something so it went like, ch ch or, you know, he had all these things. So it was so much fun looking over to see what he was doing. Well, the national tour, it wasn't always set up like that. And they've had it on 
on Nickelodeon. I, so I watched it when it first came on and there's a like SpongeBob says something about, Oh, Mr. Sound effects, man, but you don't really see him in the production. Mm. So again, in the live theater, you do, and you hear it and it, it adds so much to that experience. That I didn't even know about that part. I've listened to a podcast about the set design and props and big red cups and (laughs) (laughs) basketballs being thrown down or big. Yeah. Uh Um, And that's the other thing. Again, when you're, um, you know, the TV production, I think they they reduced it a little bit as far as the production values. But when the show first opens on on open on Broadway, it's like, oh, my God, like who has a mind that can think of these things? (laughs) That's where I come a lot, like with the scenery or, uh, you know, even the score or whatever. It's like. How do people think of these? I just don't understand where this creativity comes from. Um, And a show like Hamilton, yeah, takes everything and, you know, just so beautifully um, encapsulates it. Yeah, because Hamilton is a beautiful set, but in general, fairly simple. Wood, two-story, turntable, some tables and chairs. It's mostly the entire thing. (laughs) Yeah. And for me, I always say it's it's the movement, the movement of the ensemble when um, when he gets shot, you know, he's lifted up and and everything kind of moves like in slow motion. And or even just the bullet coming across the entire stage. And yeah, it's just amazingly done. Right. Yeah. So that's again, not to, you know, keep going on and on, but that's why I like to go to live theater, because every so often it's like lightning in a bottle. It's like Hamilton or it's, you know, come from away or, you know, for me, you know, going back to Greece or the original production of the producers with uh, Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane, where everything to me was so perfect. Um, you know, and then you get the duds or you get the shows that, well, I don't, I'm, I have stopped my prediction business because <laughs> every show I really like, and I write a good review or my wife and I walk out on, I mean, not walk out, but we walk out after going, wow, that was so good. It closes in two months. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so I don't make public my pronouncements anymore because. <laughs> I, it, They're like, oh, Stu liked it. I guess we're closing soon. That's it. That's <laughs> Here comes right. our yeah. two week notice. <laughs> that's, that's it. I, I, I get these emails. Stu, I, I hope you didn't like it. Please don't write about it. Please, so. <laughs> please say it was horrible. <laughs> I, yeah, I've seen a few shows. Oh, I can't even remember the name of one of them. I, I can picture it, but my friend and I went to see it. And we actually, we at the end, we're like, I don't think this is going to last. And then like later that week, they announced the, the closing. And we're like, there was like two good songs, but the rest of it wasn't very good. Yeah. But talking about um, how people come up with the ideas to design I've always said what I like about stage management is I don't have to come up with those design ideas I can just help implement all these other geniuses around me put it together (laughs) you know like I don't have to be the creative one I'm the organizing one that like oh you're the genius you're not quite organized so let me let me do that part (laughs) for you and then you know and then we can come together but because I don't know how they they think of these things it's but see they're also they're also probably looking at you going, oh, my gosh, thank God 
We have Cynthia there to take all our craziness, whatever, and just sort of put it into a system that is actually work, you know. Um, create a you know, schedule and little... make us stick to it <laughs> yeah but that's what's amazing about theater is that you, you need all those different people and we need critics we need people who are gonna show us or have us listen to show tunes that we have that have nobody's ever heard well or we haven't I was heard at for a, years. i was at a uh, theater critics conference a few years ago and there was a panel of playwrights and an audience of critics oh that that was that intimidating. Oil and vinegar. And, <laughs> ah, and, those poor playwrights. And we, had, and, and we had some, I mean, we had like Marsha Mason was on there. Uh, David Lindsay Abair. Um, and, and David Lindsay Abair said something, which actually two things. And ever since then, anytime I'm writing something or saying something, I, I always hear his voice. And one thing he said is, we read reviews. And I'm sitting in the audience going, Oh my God, is he reading my blog? My little nothing <laughs> blog? Um, and then the other thing he said is, you know, we're human. So <laughs> if you're going to be mean-spirited, you're going to be snarky, you know, that can hurt. And, and I was actually, when I was playing this song from Angel, if any of your listeners want to bother, if you want to bother, if you go to... Google and type in Angel Musical and, and the Wikipedia page will come out. And at the very bottom, it has some quotes from Richard Eater, who used to be the critic for the New York Times. And they are unnecessarily, in my view, unnecessarily vicious. Hmm. There's nothing that says, well, you know, the score was maybe this or that or the acting. I mean, it just vicious, snarky. Almost like I'm going to show off by, you know, saying these things. So when I'm writing something or when I'm saying something on the air, I'm going to temper that. If, if, if I have a criticism, I'm going to explain it. You might disagree with me or you might say, Stu, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, that's fine. That's, you know, if you put critics in a room, all you're going to do is get bickering. I mean, critics <laughs> never agree. Um, but I'm going to explain why. I'm going to tell you why. Eh, you know, I wasn't really moved by that, or or something, as opposed to, you know, I'm going to just throw out some, you know, quick remark just to show how how smart I am, or you know, I can be a you know a show off. So, um, so I, I really remember that when I'm when I'm doing my criticism, which again, like I said, I guess I'm. I guess I could tell you I, I've been practicing all these months, my writing style, whatever, but I'm not really doing that. <laughs> None of us really are. I sleep yeah, until right. noon, but, you know. What yeah, put that on the shelf for a while. Have to learn how to write again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't read reviews because in technical theater, nobody really writes about what I do. They write what the actors do, what the story was. They may list costumes or the orchestra, but I'm like, nobody's like, oh man, that scene change went great. So, you know, I, I agree. And I, I do actually try to give like a sentence or something. Uh, and, and it might just be, and I, I'm no expert. I mean, believe me, when it comes to, you know, lighting sets. I, I, I'm, I see something. Do I like it? Do I, you know, do I react to it? But I, I, I do want to give credit when something I think 
is done very well. Um, and a lot of times that's around the set design, you know, something, <laughs> I don't know, let's say, for example, when Matilda opened on Broadway and they had all these like blocks that were on the side. And I was like, wow, that's just like really neat. And, and it didn't take away from the show. It sort of like, you know, gave the setting, um, you know, or a special effect, you know, I'm a sucker for, you know, Disney things like when Beauty and the Beast first opened and at the very end and the beast turns into the prince, I'm like, you know, I get good seats. I'm like, how are they doing that? How is it flying <laughs> in the air and yeah. changing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, or like uh, the show, uh, they did a musical version of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Uh-huh. Which, I hear the car uh, was pretty fun. I, I mean, I am in like the fifth row center orchestra. The car is going up and coming out. And I'm just like, how are they doing? I, I have no clue how they're doing that. You know? <laughs> so again, I'm a real sucker for that type of stuff. Uh, but I'll mention it because it does add to the show it's not just for a musical the score the acting i mean you really everything has to be in concert or it, it's just not going to work yeah and well you were just saying earlier about hamilton it, the fact that the whole thing works together as one piece it's not just you don't want the close up of one person you know you want to see the full thing you want to see the the lights and the projections and the the scenery moving and and all of that moving at the same time that's what makes it so cool yeah and, you know, throughout Broadway history or musical theater history, there, there have been shows that have just died on the vine because the, the different components didn't work together. The composer hated the lyricist or hated the book writer or the director this or, and, you know, that's why shows flop. And so, you know, I'll, I'll bring some of that to maybe when I'm talking about certain shows, not in a mean-spirited way, more in like historical context. You know, author so-and-so says, you know, this didn't work or, you know, the producer David Merrick didn't support the show because, you know, Hello, Dolly was such a huge hit. He was focusing more on that. And some of the lesser shows, you know, he just sort of gave up on those. So, you know, little things like that to just help with the listening pleasure so to speak yeah because those are things that i love learning about though yeah yeah well i and you know in my in my day job i work at the university of connecticut and i've worked so i've worked in higher ed for over 30 years so i always like to say part of me when i'm doing the radio station is part educator part Mm -hmm. entertainer (laughs) so you know when you listen to my to the radio station you know, a lot of times it is going to be, you know, you just heard this, you just heard that, but I'm also going to say, oh, you know, this show ran for X number of performances or the London production was a huge hit. It bombed in the U.S. or, you know, things like that. So, you know, maybe at your next cocktail party, you can say, oh, by the way, did you know that? uh, (laughs) Your next cocktail Zoom meeting? (laughs) Yes. Yes, your next... Your next dessert Zoom meeting, you can say, <laughs> oh, did you know? So I, I uh, listen to, uh, I get tired of commercials out here, so I listen to a jazz station that's local. And that's one of the things I love about it, because I don't know hardly anything about jazz. And the DJs, there's a couple of DJs who are great at being like, oh, this is the first time these two people played together and it created a lifelong friendship. And I'm like, 
dude, why, I would never know that. I don't even know who those people are, but that's cool to learn. <laughs> well, and, and, and what I try to do is, is balance the information versus the music, because I could give you a lot of great information and that cuts down the number of songs. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, I, I, I at least want to say, oh, this was a Cole Porter musical. This was an Irving Berlin. This is Rogers and Hart. Or, you know, this show um, has the same, like I said, with Angel. Oh, well, you know, the show closed after five performances, but they also wrote the score for Shenandoah, which ran for over a thousand performances. So a lot of people are familiar and people probably are not that familiar with the musical Pearly, but you have one of the all-time great songs. Uh, Melba Moore sings this song, I Got Love, from Pearly. So you can mark that down to listen to it. Um, perfect, perfect. So, you know, so to give people some historical context that, you know, it's not, not every composer has a hit with every show. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Rogers and Hammerstein. Yeah, Rogers and Hammerstein. Every show was not an Oklahoma, a South Pacific. I mean, they had a couple of duds. Um, so I want to play music from those duds because they're still great Good music. music. Are there any that you know of that took took a song from one of their duds and moved it to another song? I don't know if that's a thing. It's a thing in opera. Like Rossini sometimes would take his overtures and just reuse them over and over. Um, was that a thing in, in musicals that you're aware of? Well, what a lot of uh, composers will do, well, they'll have what they call trunk songs. Mm. So, you know, for example, I'm trying to think, what was it? Uh, was I reading Meredith Wilson wrote, I think, 40 songs for The Music Man. There aren't 40 songs in The Music Man. Uh-huh. So they will take those songs and... For whatever reason, it was taken out of the show. It either it might have been a fantastic song, but it just didn't fit, or it just didn't for another reason didn't work, or maybe the song was incomplete, and they push it off to the side. So probably I think if you polled any composer, they're gonna say, Oh, well, yeah, I recycled, but maybe it's not so much recycle as well, this song I was going to use, but I've used like the melody or something mm-hmm. in this um, production. Um, there's a very famous story, the um, Rogers and Hart, so Richard Rogers, Lorenz Hart, who wrote so many great musicals. And so they wrote this one musical that no one's ever heard of called Betsy. Well, the star of Betsy was... Not, was concerned about the show. So she went to her friend, Irving Berlin, and said, can you write me a song? And he goes, sure. Well, the song he wrote, one of my absolute all-time favorite songs was Blue Skies. And that sh- song was put in, Rogers and Hart didn't know, but Zigfield, uh, Florence Zigfield, put it in. So... You have this song, Blue Skies, which just blew away the audience, multiple standing ovations. And Rogers and Hart are looking at each other like, uh, why is this song in our musical? <laughs> yeah, where so, did that come from? Right. So, in, you know, in the early part of the 20th century, that happened a lot. Um, you know, Which song- is very operatic. It's very like 
the soprano gets her own aria and it may or may not have anything to do with the opera or it may not yeah. have anything to do with the composer. Right. It's just, yeah. this is what the soprano sings. And right. so, and that's, you know, really before, I mean, you know, there was showboat and then, you know, sort of Oklahoma where everything, where the, the dance, the book, the score, everything was so well um, intertwined. That's, you know, sort of the modern musical. Mm-hmm. And, and you had things like that, you know, here and there beforehand, but a lot of it would be, Oh, we have the star you know, we need something for the star, you know, to come out and, and they might sing the song and they might do a, an encore of it. Um, Ray Bolger in um, Where's Charlie? Was it Once in Love with Amy? Huge, huge hit. He would lead the, the audience in a sing-along with, with the song <laughs> because everyone loved it so much. Oh my god! I can't imagine being a stage manager, being like, "So what cue are we in? What are we? Are we just repeating we, until they're done? Do we take the house lights up? I don't, I don't right. know what we're doing now." Right, right. How many, how many times is he going to sing it? It's yeah, like, exactly. You know, hey, I'm so you, tired. You got to pay, you know, overtime. Overtime, yes. Yeah. Get out of here. These union fees so, are going to kill us. Somebody's got to stop that it. actor. <laughs> That's when you just turn the house lights on. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, and we're done. <laughs> and intermission. Yeah. We can't go yeah. anymore. Well, now, you know, nowadays, and I am not a big fan of this, and I I, I let other people do it, and I, I, I leave the theater. But, you know, now it seems with a lot oh. of the, the big splashy musicals, there's the curtain call, and then there's almost like the – programmed choreographed encore that could uh-huh. be going on for like five or 10 minutes and yeah. the audience dancing and this. And I'm like, you know what? I will always applaud. I'm going to recognize I don't do standing ovations. Um, yeah. Every single show. I, I yeah, I'm like, do, that wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah. No, I, the, the last show I did a standing ovation for was an American in Paris, um, which I was, I was almost crying at the end because there was that you know twelve minute dance number. Uh, but I won't. I mean, I will be the only one sitting in the theater. I will. I'm sorry that those are my personal principles. And then you know, then the they, the curtain goes down a bit, and then it comes up like and you know, in the Mamma Mia, they're all dressed in this and they're dancing uh. and boogieing. And I go, see ya. And I'm the first one out of the theater, and and my kids know that they know. Okay. You get to applaud for a little bit, but timing is everything because, you know, if I'm in the 10th row center orchestra, if I don't leave at a certain point, I'm trapped. You're never getting mm-hmm. out of there. I'm never getting <laughs> out of there. Yeah. So. I should go to shows with you because I'm the same way. I'm like, why is everyone standing? I don't like, you don't have to stand on every show. It now loses the entire effect of a standing ovation if it happens every single show. And my husband and I will be sitting and we'll be like, God damn it. Everyone's standing right. again. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I eventually do stand because I want to see the actors. You want to see, yeah. But yeah, I mean, nowadays it's almost if you don't get a standing ovation, woo. It's amazing. They didn't like you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it has yeah. the reverse effect. I don't even know the last time I went to a show that didn't have a standing ovation, though. Yeah. yeah. So well, that's that's sort of one of the fun things about off Broadway because you know, you're going to get more mm. knowledgeable audiences mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and also tourists. like off Broadway yeah. dramas or stuff, you know, people are going to applaud and, and you know, they liked it, but it has nothing against the show. If there's no standing ovation, 
It's just like, you know, this was good. They know it was good. And uh, right. but yeah, you know, the big shows. And, and again, you know what? You're in from Kansas. You're doing your two or three Broadway shows a year. You do whatever you want. Just, You're paying money for the tickets. Go for right, it. Right. Just don't talk. <laughs> don't talk on your phone. You know, yeah, I, I, yeah, I was at, um, yeah, I mean, we all have stories of that. I was actually at the performance of this show. Oh, it was the show with that Patty Lupone made headlines. It was that, um, Oh, where she stopped and got mad at, uh, yeah. Right. Um, so it, it was, it, was it wasn't, gypsy, wasn't it? Yeah. What? No, it, it was at the, it was at Lincoln center. It wasn't the Vivian Beaumont theater. It was the smaller theater and it was a, um, it was a drama. And so it was sort of the, there was, you know, the, the audience, but there was sort of like on, there was some seats on the stage. So if you, if the actor exited left or right, they would sort of walk by the stands of some of the audience members. So I guess someone right there when she, when she was walking, she could see the person on the phone. So when she went off, I guess she grabbed it. I was at that performance. I didn't see a thing. I didn't know till the next day I, I read about like Patty Lupone does this or that, or, um, and I say, you know, good for her. You know, people say, oh, you know, she's such a diva about this. And that's like, hey, go to the theater. It's okay to put down your phone. You know, they used to not have cell phones. You know, <laughs> used to not have to worry about calling the babysitter every 30 minutes or texting every, you know, it just, try and just get involved with, again, the live theater, the more you become part of it, the more enjoyable it's going to be. Um, and, you know, if you're like, what was it? I think actually at the public theater, uh, Madonna was there with Hamilton. And I guess she texted through the whole show and uh, it really got everyone really She's mad. a performer. She yeah. should know how rude that is. But I guess concerts, I never go to a concert without everybody holding up their phone recording. Right. And I'm right. like, I can just see all of your guys' phones now. I can't see the stage. <laughs> right. Right. And I actually want to listen to the recording on the record. I don't really want to hear the recording through my phone. Yeah. Or when I look at the phone, it's like, oh, Which wait. Is horrible audio. Yeah. See that dot? See, that's the performer right there. No. Yeah. <laughs> They're already recording it. I can watch it on YouTube in like three days when they professionally put it out. I don't need to see your phone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess I always say I'm getting old when it comes to the theater and, you know, I'm just, uh, <laughs> well, there was a, there was an off Broadway show that starred Daniel Radcliffe a couple of years ago. Of course, I can't remember the name, but something like privacy. And the whole thing was about your private information and they were doing things on stage with cell phones and they were saying, Hey, take out your cell phone and like take selfies and then, um, send your selfie to this, text it to this thing. And then they had everyone's selfie on, on the stage. But then what they did is they, they brought three people from the audience. And because they did that, there was this guy in the back of the stage. I don't know what he was doing. He was able to go into the person's social media accounts. And Daniel Radcliffe was sort of doing speed dating with these three tables, audience members. And a stagehand would come out and give the 
Daniel Radcliffe a folder. He'd open it up and go, oh, Cynthia, so I see that uh, you went to Syracuse and that you were on all this information. The person's like, like instantly at this because everything is, you know, is there. Yeah. So it was a really interesting show about nothing's private, you know? Yeah. We, and we do it. I have already been on, I mean, I couldn't find your Facebook, but I did find the <laughs> sounds of Broadway, uh, the webpage, your Facebook account, the pictures. Uh, I knew what you looked like before I met you because I already looked it all up online. <laughs> right. Right. And I, you know, I try, actually, I was talking to the Blackmans earlier. Um, I said, uh, you know, we were talking about my theater experience. And I said, I was in a couple of high school productions. And to this day, if people saw me and had to succeed in business without really trying, I was uh, this character, Bud Frump, who is the nemesis of Jay Pierpont Finch, the star of the show. And at one point, uh, Finch says to the boss, oh, he's a chipmunk, which was the college mascot for their the arch nemesis so i get fired and i'm walking off the stage and i do my chipmunk cheer and <laughs> someone took a picture at the end of my cheer i like jumped up in the air and i like stretched my arms and my legs and i was like off the ground you know by a few inches so it's a great picture um so i said you know that one i could maybe put on the website i have another picture where i had 10 times more hair than I have now. And <laughs> I told my daughters, don't you ever put that on the web. <laughs> like, Someone will I find will, it. I will disown you if that ever comes out on the web. Um, so, you know, I, I try and let's say curate my social media accounts in addition to, uh, to the playlists. <laughs> Yeah, because that's – and we put it out there. Everyone knows what my dog looks like. There's a million pictures of him online. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Twin knows. She gets every picture texted to her and then put online. <laughs> oh. Well, that's, that's my something nephew. she really enjoys that. Uh... She does. She does. It's favorite. the text messages at two o'clock in the morning. I don't necessarily enjoy. Yeah, right. But, uh, you know, everything else for moving across country. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> It's very true. Well, we we're at an hour. I think we're a little over an hour, and we usually end with our twin story. But you told us our your twin story in the beginning, so yeah, I I don't to... yeah that that's pretty much it. Uh, I can tell you another a, a quick theater story if you want that. Sure. Yeah. So going to New York a lot, and a lot of times I'll do a double header, so I'll do a matinee and an evening. Right. So, if you're going to come into the city, you might as well make the most right. of it. Yes. So I think I got there early for the evening performance. It was right after a matinee. And, and uh, again, some of your listeners might remember the Edison Cafe and the Edison Hotel, which was mm -hmm. the greatest food. You know, oh, I mean, their corned beef sandwich was to die for. Anyway, it's now there's an upscale restaurant there, which is OK. But so I went there for a cup of coffee until I was going to meet my cousin. And so I'm sitting at the counter and I'm you know, just minding my own business. I look over and there's Christian Borle, who has won two Tony Awards. He's been in um, uh, Legally Blonde, Something Rotten, Falsettos. I mean, if you're a theater person, you, you know. So I'm looking at him and it just happened that day he was nominated for a Tony Award for Peter and the Star Catcher. Ah. So I'm sitting there like, 
you know, three seats for him. He's eating his dinner between the matinee and evening performance. So I'm like, okay, so do I go over there, Stu? Do I say anything or, you know, or do I just, you know, do I just play it cool? I said, you know what? Just leave him just... alone. He's trying to eat his food. Right. And I said, <laughs> no. So I got up and I went over and I said, hi, you know, I said, I just want to congratulate you or this. And, and, uh, you know, I don't want to bother you and this. And he's like, oh, did you like the show? And I really didn't like the show, but I said, oh yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I really it. And, um, and uh, but then I left him alone because, you know, I didn't want to be one of those fans. It's like, pulling up a seat and it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, Hey, my buddy, buddy. Giving so, your opinion about what the show was. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So, um, but that was sort of fun because, you know, it was just the environment. It was just so quiet, so private, you know, and you see, you know, again, most people, if, unless they're real theater nerds, like Christian Borel, huh? Um, but yeah, it was sort of a, a fun thing. Yeah. So That's, yeah. Like I've met, I don't work on Broadway. I went to a show with Twin on when she was doing a Broadway show, but I, I've met a number of famous people just through theater. And sometimes I'm like, nice. You're just like a normal person. I love it. I can just like, I freak, who was it? Uh, there's a comedian who was part of the blue collar comedian group. Bill, mm. Bill Engle. Bill Engle. Yeah, he came through one of the places I was working at and I was in charge of hospitality and stuff. And I sat with him in the green room for an hour after the show and we ate pizza and Oreos. And I talked to him and his son just about, you know, their ranch and what they were doing at home and where the next tour stop was. And he's like, oh, how'd you know I liked guacamole? And I was like, I liked guacamole. So I bought guacamole and he was so excited. And I was like, he's just an every everyday guy who's just out on the road doing a comedy routine. And yeah. All he wanted was pizza and some guacamole and chips and Oreos. And I was like, sweet, I can do that. <laughs> so, so does he also get texts of your dog too? Or- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At two o'clock in the morning. Well, he's not on yeah. that list. He's not on that list. <laughs> okay. C- Sydney's okay. Uh, pretty special on that list. Okay. okay. <laughs> Sometimes gotcha. my mom gets some too. <laughs> okay. All right. But yeah, just he, was make just, sure. he was just like, yeah, I just want cheese pizza. And I'm like, some of them come through and they want like specialty bottles of alcohol and vegan whatever and an uncut pineapple with a fresh sharp knife and I'm like, oh, he's just like pizza. <laughs> That's me. Sweet pizza. Yeah, great. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> uh, Excellent. Well, that's actually what I well, I miss in Connecticut because I want I like New York pizza. Almost impossible to find. Well, that I've been able to scope out. Very hard to find New York pizza. I mean, I want a lot of sauce with cheese as opposed to in Connecticut. It's very, a lot of it is very thin crust or very cheesy. It's like very hard to find the uh, um, pizza in, in Connecticut. But Sad. Pizza's yeah. a big thing. Of course, we come from Southern California, so Mexican food is big. And Cindy has a hard time finding good Mexican food in the city. Yeah, see, for me, I'm... I'm like Mexican American food. You yeah. Know, I don't want the like real Mexican because <laughs> I don't, I don't know if my constitution can, can take it these days. So <laughs> you know, I'll, 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 as long as there's guacamole and chips, refried chips beans, and salsa, and like maybe a little bit of a spicy ground beef, but not too spicy. I'm happy. <laughs> Perfect. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> 
Excellent. Well, uh, I think we just lost Cindy, but we're at an hour. So thank you so much for being on. This is excellent. And I have like three new musicals. Let's see. Time and Angel for sure. Going to go listen to. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, and just, yeah. yeah so if, if people go to soundsofbroadway.com and we have an app for the station, they can listen on their computer and all my, my contact information is there. So if people, you know, want to re- make requests or suggestions, um, Again, I, I want to make it very transparent. I don't I don't want it to be the Wizard of Oz of like, oh, that man behind the curtain. No, it's it's <laughs> with his radio station and uh, you know, just broadcasting around the world, which is you know, again, that's that's the real fun part. I can look at a map with all these little dots and to see people uh listening in, in real time. So that's it just oh, makes it really, a lot of fun. That's so yeah. cool. Uh, the yeah. internet so fun yeah so we're gonna uh it'll be on facebook and instagram and our webpage, and we'll link everything together and i did find some pictures of you on facebook well i found like two pictures of you but you okay. posted them so i'll send them to make I, sure you're good yes. with them <laughs> anything is posted if if you want i'll send you my chipmunk cheer picture yes that'll be exciting <laughs> okay you can you can be one of the first to post it yes as long as it's not the one with you with the hair, you said it's okay. Nope. So. Eh, nope. Then, then, <laughs> then I'd have to, uh, I'd have to delete all your uh, social media presence. Uh, to <laughs> I don't think we want to do that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, the chipmunk chair will be fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. It's always fun talking theater. Yeah. Um, so. Especially right now, get as much theater yeah. as we can with the little that's out there. Right. Excellent. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, thank you. (laughs) Bye. Okay. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstocktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at Twinstock Theater. Title music, Dance Macabre, is provided by Kevin McLeod of incomtech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.